Hi, sisters. Welcome back. We are going to finish up John chapter 3 today, verses 15 through 36. Remember, this is a live teaching that I had done with an audience. And so you might hear some background noise or maybe hear a question here or there. But you will really enjoy this teaching as we talk about what it means to believe in Jesus, to have a saving faith, not just a profession of faith, but a true saving faith that transforms lives. I pray you enjoy this episode. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse? one letter at a time, with real-life application, then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Evangelistic gospel that people would believe in the Messiah and that the Messiah is God incarnate, that we would understand his deity, that we'd understand why he came, we'd understand the gospel. And so Jesus is bringing this home. And I'll tell you what, Nicodemus is a mess. He's a mess. Keep going. Verse 15, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life now listen that word whosoever literally means humankind he came whoever every gentile the samaritans my enemies the romans the romans and nicodemus is losing it now i can just picture it they were very racist. They were their own elite. I mean, they wouldn't even talk to Samaritans. They thought they were. They thought Samaritans were dogs, and yet Samaritans were Jewish, <laughs> right? Very racist. The Pharisees thought they were the elite. That they had the pulse on religion. They had the pulse on it all. And here comes Jesus saying, "Whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life." Nicodemus didn't understand this. Their Messiah that they were waiting for was going to build up a kingdom there, was going to annihilate all their enemies, put the Jewish people up on a pedestal, and Nicodemus being the, one of the high ups, man, he was hoping Messiah would come in his time because then he would be like right-hand man of Messiah. This is building down all that pride, all that ego is being crushed at the bottom of Jesus' feet. Crushed. For, and here's our, what the verse that everybody want, everybody knows. If you ever went to any Bible school, or ever went to, v, I mean, vacation Bible school, right? VBS. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, there's that word whoever again, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is Jesus talking. He's saying, Nicodemus, for God so loves the world. The word world there means humankind or creation. The world does not mean every single solitary person as in like every single person is going to get saved because we know that's not true. It literally just means he came down for humanity. He came down for all of humanity. For God so loved. What kept Jesus on the cross? Love. Love. What kept him getting beaten and whipped and spit on to the point that we think that his, his own genitals were ripped off of his body because it says he was beyond human recognition. You couldn't even tell that he was a man when he was up on that cross. They ripped out his beard. He was so bloodied and so maimed on that cross that they couldn't even recognize him as a man. Does that mean they ripped off his Gentiles, his man parts? I mean, it's thought that very possible. What kept him there? He could have caught a legion of angels. He could have destroyed the earth right then and there. Love. This is what Jesus is saying. Love. For God so loved the world. We love humanity. We love our creation. So we've come to make a way where there's no way. We're all born enemies of God. All of us. There's no one in this room that wasn't born an enemy of God. And Jesus is going to talk about that in here in a few more verses. So love kept, so love brought him here. And he says, I gave my only begotten son. The word begotten literally means unique or special. God gave something very special, something very unique, which is Jesus Christ, the son of God, God incarnate. God in the flesh. Jesus is 100% God and he's 100% man. It's the hypostatic union. Understand that. He's still 100% God and 100% man right now today in heaven. It's very important that we understand that. He who is the only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever looks upon the son and believes not the curiosity faith that we talked about in chapter 2. Not the I really like the religious side of this. Not that I like because I feel better because I might not have to go to hell. Because if I say Jesus' name but live any way I want, then I don't I'm not going to go to hell. I like that idea. I like that churches do a lot of things for our kids. And I think it's just a good way to raise our children. That's, that's the belief that Jesus was talking about in chapter 2. But that's not the saving faith. A saving faith transforms your life. It's a belief that says, Jesus, I believe you. I believe you when you say, be holy for I am holy. I believe you when you say that do not be deceived for fornicators and adulterers and drunkards and liars and witchcraft people and people that are homosexual and effeminates and sodomites are not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That murderers will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I believe you, Jesus. I believe that. It's believing in his gospel. And that comes with a transformed life which is born from above, the regenerated work of the Holy Spirit. 
that pours out what Ezekiel was talking about, that pours out the old and replaces it with a brand new spirit. It takes that heart of stone and gives you a new heart of flesh. And this new heart of flesh is a new nature that now is our affections are on Jesus Christ. And we want to imitate him. We want to be like him. We want to mentor after him. That old nature dies. Yeah, we still war with it, but it's dead. And it no longer condemns us. It says we perish, so we'll have everlasting life. What a beauty that we'll be able to be in paradise forever with Jesus Christ. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, this time around, when Jesus is standing here, he says, I'm coming in love. I'm coming to save whoever will believe in me. Whoever will follow me. Whoever will lay their life down for me. But when Jesus comes the second time, guys, and he is coming back, it's coming to condemn. There's not going to be a second chance. There's not a second chance theology. There's not a purgatory. He's coming back. He's coming back for a bride without spot and blemish. A holy bride, a bride sanctified, a bride that's set apart from this world. But he's also coming back to set all things straight with his enemies and every knee will bow and every tongue's going to confess. And he is coming back to condemn. And there is going to be a judgment day and we're all going to stand in that white throne room. We won't stand there for our sins if we're truly born again today. But we will stand there and have to give an account for how we spent our life after salvation. What did we do with the gifts that he gave us? How did we live? So he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe in, is condemned already. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to break that down for a second. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son, the only unique son, the special son, the one that God decided. God decided how he was going to save mankind. And it's through his son, the perfect lamb, slaughtered, slain on the cross for us. But he says, he who believes is not condemned. But I want you to notice this. This is Jesus talking. But he who does not believe is condemned already because of the sin of Adam. We're born in sin. We're born in sin. Sin comes through Adam, but righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. See, where there was no way, that's what the beauty of the gospel. There was no way for us to be saved. We were enemies of God because of, because of Adam's sin. But then here comes Jesus to make a way where there was no way. That's what grace is. It's undeserved favor. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We didn't work for it. And he saved us. We deserve hell. And according to Romans chapter 9, like Paul says, who is the clay to question the potter? Who are we to question God about his creation and how he chooses to make it work? We, we have no right. God is above us. God's ways are not our ways. And we need to humble ourselves before a holy God. We need to humble ourselves before the God of creation. And we should all be weeping here tonight during worship and thanking him for our salvation if we're saved. Because he didn't have to save us. And we couldn't earn it. It is truly a free gift. 
And that's what Jesus is really trying to bring home here. It's a free gift. Humble yourself before a holy God and repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Put your faith in what God decided is the work to be born again. So he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. You're already the enemy of God. The verdict has already been made. But there's a way for that verdict to be lifted, for that wrath to be lifted off you, for that bow to no longer be against you. And that's to believe, Jesus says. Believe in me. Believe in the way that God has said to be saved, to be born again. Believe. And this is verse, chapter 19, or verse 19. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Men love darkness. I loved darkness before salvation. I loved my sin. It was making me miserable, don't get me wrong, but I loved it. I loved having sex outside of marriage. I did, didn't really enjoyed it, not gonna lie. Did, I'm not trying to be vulgar, let's just be honest here. Our flesh loved it. Our flesh loved drinking. Some of you, your flesh loved getting high. Some of us loved the admiration that we got by being strippers or the money we made being prostitutes, right? There's a payoff. There's something there. We love it, right? We were following after darkness. We loved our sin. We loved our pornography. We loved it. But it had a consequence, didn't it? Post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, bipolar, depression, Gambling, you get broke. Sleeping with too many people, you can get AIDS. Let's, I mean, we can go down the laundry list. I mean, sin has a consequence. It has a consequence here on earth, and it has an ultimate consequence, which is eternal damnation in hell. But that's what he's saying here. He says, you know, the light comes. The light, I am the light. He who believes in me is, or, or, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, but men love their darkness. Nicodemia, Nicodemus loved his religion, loved his darkness. We love our darkness. We love our sin. We love it as sinners. Because our deeds are evil. Because we are born of Adam. You don't have to train, as we say this, you don't have to train a child how to throw a fit in the middle of a grocery store. You don't have to train a child how to steal, lie. You don't have to train a child how to do any of that stuff. Matter of fact, we have to train our children how to behave. Why? Because we're depraved. And we just grow in that depravity as we get older. And then our hormones take over. And depending on what doors you've opened, depending on what doors you've opened with your sin, is depending on where you're allowing the enemy to then come in and just wreak havoc in your life. I mean, some of us just go all the way far to the left. Now we have homosexuality and pedophilia is being uh, presented as something that's uh, a good thing. We've got, what, 76 different genders now? That's what depravity does. That's what sin does. It just, gets, it just goes as far as we'll allow it to go. Immorality. We love our darkness. And that's what Jesus is saying here, man. Their e deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. People do not, you, we know this, pick up a rock. And the bugs just go running. They want, they're trying to find the darkness. You've just exposed light. They go running. We're the same way. Bring the light into the darkness. And they love their evil deeds. And they will go running. Or better yet, here's what you're going to hear. Judge not lest thee be judged. Ye without sin cast the first stone. Right? Come on, we've all been there. Right? As soon as you start preaching about holiness, as soon as you start talking about 
who God really is and talking about a transformed life, if, especially inside the church, if you start talking to people about, hey, you profess to be my brother in Christ, you profess to be my sister in Christ, but I'm concerned with the walk that you have, judge not lest thee be judged. They don't want their sins exposed. Corinthians talks about that there's a repentance that's a worldly repentance, and all that is, oh man, I just got caught. I would have never repented had I not caught, but I'm just really sorry I got caught. Then there's a godly sorrow that produces repentance that equals a transformed life that leads to salvation. And that's what he's talking about here. Man, we do not, the darkened people, sinners do not want their darkness exposed. These Pharisees, especially as we get into these chapters, Jesus exposed their darkness. He called them whitewashed tombs. He says, you guys are full of dead man's bones. You guys are out there putting all these bondages and all these laws on everybody else and you yourselves aren't even keeping it. You hypocrites. Jesus wasn't very nice. He said some mean things. He flipped tables in the temple. We talked about that. And that's what he's saying here, man. They didn't like it. They want him dead. They wanted to crucify him. He's exposing their darkness. And, and, that's, and Jesus said, do not be deceived, for you are not greater than the master. If they hate me, how much more are they going to hate you? Demons hate us. Sinners hate us. Especially when we're exposing their darkness. And so the one thing they do to shut you up is judge not, let's see, be judged. Be without sin, cast the first stone. I mean, is there anybody in this room who has not heard that when you've been trying to minister to somebody about sin? No. But it's the truth. I was a sinner too. Now we're to have compassion because guess what? I too was once them. I'm not better than the sinner. I'm saved by grace. I don't know about anybody else in this room. I am saved only by grace, not by works. Nothing I could have done could have saved me. And so all of my sin, I understand the sin nature. I understand why people are doing what they do. And I have compassion. And I just want to give them the gospel enough to know that they do not have to be slaves to sin anymore. And if you guys watched Colossians and we talked about the sin market and how there's slaves in that sin market. But Jesus came and redeemed us out of that slave market. And now we're slaves to righteousness and holiness. Verse 21, Jesus is still talking. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. True born-again believers want their darkness exposed. They just do. We're not happy about it. It hurts. Stephanie rips off my mask. It hurts. I don't like my sin exposed in, in the aspect that nobody, you know, it hurts. But I'm really grateful that God does spank my butt. I'm glad that I'm not an illegitimate child, according to Hebrews, because I do get spanked. I'm glad that I have church discipline. I'm glad that I have you guys' accountability. I'm glad when I mess up that I have the imputation of Jesus Christ. But I'm glad that I'm growing in holiness and I'm growing in godliness. And within that, my onion continues to get peeled back. The things that aren't pleasing to God continue to be exposed. And then I repent and we work it out. I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. But because I am saved by grace, because I truly have the regenerated work of the Holy Spirit, I love Jesus. I also I love his light and all that it exposes, even when it hurts. And that's what Jesus is saying here. People of the light don't mind the light. They love the light. They want to draw closer to the light, even though it's going to expose more and more of the things that need delivered out of them or cleaned up or cleansed out we're all growing we're all in a sanctification process here we're all going from glory to glory until we meet the perfect one in heaven one day 
right? What stands out to me is you may believe in God, but do you actually, you may believe in Jesus, but do you actually know Jesus? Exactly. It is a relationship. It's, it is a relationship. And that's what Jesus said. Cause remember we just said when we first started in chapter two, how they believed in him because of his signs and wonders, but Jesus knew their heart. He knew they didn't actually believe in him. There is a believing faith. You can believe, but then there's an actual saving faith. And a saving faith equals a transformed life. Believing in Jesus versus knowing Jesus. Exactly. That's what I'm asking. No, yeah, you can believe in him and not know him. Because actually, uh, Matthew seven twenty one through 23, Jesus says, many are going to come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these great things? And he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And yet they worked and signed wonders and miracles. They prophesied, they had healings. But all these works that they depended on, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. Go ahead. Now. I mean... The demons believe in Jesus. And they tremble. So, like, why According are they James. saved? Like, demons, they believe in Jesus Christ. Yes. He said, well, James even means. says, you believe in Jesus, you do well. Even demons believe in Jesus and they tremble. Yeah. So, yeah, you can believe in the name and not believe in the Savior. And what does Jesus say? A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. And how else did Jesus say you'll know who are actually his? Who's actually got the regenerated work of the Holy Spirit? By what? The love they have for one another. The love they have for one another. That's the key. That's the key. Love. Love. <laughs> love. And love no. and love is not a love that winks at your sin. No. Love is also a love that will love you enough to say, I'm concerned and I want to help you. I want to come do life with you. We are to judge inside the church, absolutely, because a little leaving will spoil the whole lot. But we do it with humility. That's the key. You know, we do take the plank out of our own eye first. Always make sure we examine our own heart and we come, I should come to you broken. I should come to you sad. I should come to you with like, listen, I'm not saying I have all together, but let's get this worked out together. There does need to be a humility on how we come with one another. So after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea and he remained with them and baptized. Jesus did not baptize anybody. I just want to point that out and we'll learn that in chapter 4 on the next one. His disciples did the, the baptizing. And the reason why I want to point that out, we believe that Jesus purposely didn't baptize people and let me tell you why. Because if Gabby would have got baptized by Jesus and I got baptized by Paul, her flesh is automatically I got baptized by Jesus though. <laughs> it's human nature. Right? And we see it all the time. It's human nature. I, I cannot tell you how many times I get with people and all they want to do is tell me who they hanged out with and who their best friends are. And, oh, my gosh, they, got, they know so-and-so that's high up here. And I'm President Trump's cousin, and I'm so-and-so. And we love to name drop, don't we? Yeah. It's so, it just fills our pride up to who we know. And I just don't give heed to it. I don't care. I don't care if you and John MacArthur are best friends and talk on the phone every single day. It means nothing to me. Why? Because John MacArthur is just a servant of Jesus Christ just like I am and just like you are. God is no respecter of men, and I can promise you either am I. Period. Is that why Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize That is exactly why Paul said he is glad he hardly baptized anyone. because he baptized one person. He baptized like a couple. But he says, I'm glad I didn't because you all would have been like, but I got baptized by Paul, so I'm better. Right? And so, because human nature, we love our pride, we love our egos, and we love to name drop. We love to, you know, we always feel more special if we're whatever the world deems special and we're a part of that. And that's exactly who Nicodemus was. So now John also was baptizing near like Aeon and Salem because there are much water there and they came and were baptized. So this area would have been further north. So we can see that, that John is kind of moving more further, further north is 
Jesus is moving into Judea. So, G, so John's kind of moving away from the region now that Jesus is up on the scene now. John is still baptizing, though. Their, their ministry is still overlapping as of right now. He's still uh, preaching repentance, and he does still have disciples with him. But Jesus' ministry is really increasing at this point, and John's is decreasing. For John had not yet was not yet thrown into prison... And then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. So here's what's happening. The, the Pharisees are basically coming up to the disciples and they're being like, um, they're, they're trying to cause division. And they're like, hey, that guy, Jesus, he's actually like taking a bunch of your disciples with him. And he's actually baptizing too. So which one has the better baptism, you or Jesus, right? And so it's like this big thing. So John's disciples are like, well, I don't know. Well, yeah, it should be us. I mean, John was first, right? And so, you know, and so he, they're getting all like huffy puffy about it. And so then he goes, so then, so then verse 26, and they come to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, talking about Jesus, to whom you have testified, behold, he's baptizing and they're all coming to him. They're getting jealous now. They're like, oh my goodness, he's doing more work than you are. Oh my, and they're like in a tizzy. And, and they're like, and here's John. They're not getting it. Because John, we, we had chapter one where John kept telling them over and over again, he's the lamb, he's the Messiah, he's the one to come. I am nothing. I am just a servant, you know, and they're not getting it, right? So they're just like, oh, they're all in a tizzy. So 21, John answered and like, I can just picture John shaking his head like, is this really, really, really get your lives together. A man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. And John's saying, listen, what I do, what I've been given, this gift and this calling has come from heaven. And it's for God's glory and God's glory only. Every gift that you guys have, everything that God has given you, it's for him. It's only for him. It's not for us. It's not to prop ourselves up. If anything, the greater you get in ministry, the more you should actually kind of want to decrease and, and make sure and just be really sure that you're pointing everything to Jesus Christ because pride and ego can easily get in. Very easily, guys. Pride and ego, it, you'll fight it your whole life. Oh, and then you'll start compromising. And you too. can start compromising. Absolute, sin, sin absolutely makes us compromise. Our only goal here and your only goal here, we were chosen by God to be saved. We're born again to be servants of Jesus Christ and to point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to get everybody we can to look up to him and believe. Only God can save him, but that's our job to point them to the one that can save him. Point them to the one that can save him. Point them to the one that can save him. I can't save nobody. You can't save nobody. And that's what John's like, listen, man, I'm just here for, I'm just here to do a job. And that is it. And I am so privileged to do this job. And I like here, now John was considered the greatest man in all the earth and the greatest prophet. That's what Jesus called him. And you know, he didn't go and build some huge church and build some huge religion and prop himself up and wear the finest robes and red shoes and make people kiss his ring and call himself the vicar of Christ. <laughs> Am I right? What did he do? He wore camel's clothes. You know how itchy camel's clothes would have been? <laughs> and he ate locusts and honey. Yeah. Locusts, bugs, people. He ate bugs. He didn't go get lobster and flame and yawn because look who I am. 
John is a better man than I am a woman. I will never eat locusts. But you see what I'm saying? He didn't prop himself up because of his gifts and his callings or because he was such a great prophet. He lowered. He lowered himself for the one that was going to come, the one that deserved to be propped up, the one that deserves to be worshipped. And that needs to be our attitude. No matter where God takes you on this journey of life, he might take you to some high places according to the According to the world, he might put you on television. He might put you on stages pre- preaching to tens of thousands of people in Africa. I don't know what your guys' gifts and callings are or how God, far God's going to take you or take us or take BTC. But God forbid if we ever make it about us. God forbid if it's ever about anything other than Jesus Christ and lifting him up and his word up. God forbid it. God forbid it. Do not let it happen. I'd rather die than let that happen. Verse 28. You yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. We are servants. All he was was sent before him to lift everybody up to him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He gets it. Listen, I'm not the bridegroom. I'm the best man. I'm just here to support him. I'm the matron of honor. I'm just here to support the bride. I'm just here to help orchestrate this thing and get him where he needs to be. He's the bridegroom. You're the bride. And praise God for that. Praise God that he's the bridegroom. John knew his place. And John accepted that, and he had no problem with that, and he, does, he was humble about it from beginning to end. He goes on to say right after that, he must increase, but I must decrease. That's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Mine too. One of my most favorite. It is truly needs to be the heart of every believer that we must decrease. He must increase in us. He must be what people see when they're around us. He must be what we're pointing people to. It's not about what we do for a living or where we live or the houses we live in or the cars we drive. It's not about us at all. And anything that God has given us is for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Steve and I are very much like that. There was a time when we had all that fancy stuff, but materialism, we were all about it. And we sold it all. We got rid of it all. Now, praise God, I have a roof over my head, but I'll be honest with you, with, with, with everything that Steve and I do, everything we think about, all of our plans are all about the gospel. Can we, can we fit more people in this house? If I put an addition on or if we build an outreach center, what, what do we have? Okay, what can we do with the money that you're giving us here? What, and it's all gospel-centered because there's been a transformed work in our life. When we got born again, all that stuff didn't matter anymore. Everything we do now is about him and for him. It doesn't make us like we're some great righteous people. It's not. We truly got the gift from above. And we got the regenerated work of the Holy Spirit. Because I was a false convert for a long time, guys. I was condemned for a long time in the name of Jesus. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. John understood that he was of the earth. He knew that his parents were earthly parents. He was not from heaven. Jesus was from heaven. 
he was just doing his earthly duty to point everybody to the one that was from heaven. And what he has seen and heard, and he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. No one here literally means very few. Man, we know that very few are going to receive the true testimony of Jesus Christ, don't we? Because what does it say? The road is narrow, and few be them that find it. And the broad road of destruction, most people are going to be on that road. And a lot of them are be on that road in the name of Jesus. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. We just went through that. Very few people. So if you're in this room tonight and you truly know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, man, get on your face tonight and worship him. Because few be them that actually believe the testimony. And we're some of the few. Praise God. And it's a work only done by him. That way we can't boast. I can't boast. I can't say it was anything I had to do. It was all him. Verse 33, he who has received his testimony is certified that God is true. Anyone who's heard it, he who has received the testimony of Jesus Christ has certified that God is true. They are one. God and Jesus are one. For he who God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. In other words, I have a measure of the Holy Spirit. But just like Paul talks about in Corinthians, I prophesy in part. I see in part. I still have partial knowledge. I see through that dimmed mirror up there that's kind of, I can't really see my full reflection, but not Jesus. He had a full measure of the Holy Spirit of God. He had all the gifts of God. He understood everything, knew everything. He wasn't learning. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's omnipotent. He's all in all. He had the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We have measures of it. He has the full measure. Anybody who says they have all the gifts of God, you can knock that pride and ego down right now. There's only one man that ever walked this earth that has all the gifts, that's operating all the gifts. And God did that on purpose. That's to keep us humble. And it also keeps me needing you and you needing me. If I had all the gifts, what do I need you for? Right? Keeps us humble. Only God had all the gifts. Only Jesus operated in all the gifts. The Father loves the Son and has given all things to his hand. He who believes, there's that word believe again, in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. See, that same cup that Jesus took at the cross, he took the cup of wrath at the cross that was afforded to you and me. All that sin, I was, I was, just, I was just heaping sin up and heaping sin up and heaping sin up and heaping sin up. And God's wrath was just abiding on my head, just waiting. His bow was against me, just waiting for me to take my last breath. Because I was an enemy of God. I was a sinner of sinners. But I believe, I believe in Jesus Christ and all of that sin, all of my sin was taken at the cross, at the cross. According to Colossians, every letter of the law was written against me and it was all taken at the cross. I broke every law and it was all taken at the cross. And so now the wrath no longer abides on my head because it abided on Jesus Christ at the cross. Now what abides on me is the righteousness of Jesus and the holiness of Jesus and his imputation. His account is now reconciled to me. Think about what he did for you. Think about him coming so that you could be born again. Whoever believes. Jesus said, whoever 
And if you're not truly saved tonight, you haven't truly believed, you haven't truly looked upon the cross and believed in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, even if you thought you did, but now you're thinking, maybe I haven't, because the way that my life lines up, I don't know. Repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ and cry out to him to be born again. Ask him to save you. Ask him. Save me. I'm a wretched sinner. I'm in need of a savior. It's all about him. Sisters, thank you so much for listening to this teaching. And I pray this teaching did for you what I know what it did for me. And that was to just remind me of the fact that I will give an account for my time, talent, and treasure and how I have spent it in building God's kingdom and bringing him glory and serving other people. And I even find myself recently just being so distracted by so many other things. It's the holiday season and um, there's just so much going on and I am I, struggling. And I thought, man, Lord, I know I'm going to give an account and I am wasting time, talent, and treasure right now on things that are not kingdom focused. And so, you know, I confess that to him and I love that I know that when I confess that to him, that he's faithful to forgive me and that I have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me to have victory over the things that are distracting me, the things that are coming against me. And I love that I have a father who loves me, uh, a savior who walked this earth. He gets it. He was tempted on all points and yet did it perfectly. And I have this perfect role model. I have the word that I can glean from and learn from where my father speaks to me ever so gently through it. And I have you guys, I have the body of Christ that holds me accountable and, and, and encourages me and prays for me. And I, to you guys, I pray for you guys. And so, um, you know, I just pray that this uh, teaching just um, brings you just comfort and joy and peace and transformation and closer to the Father and the Holy Spirit is just speaking to you through his word and um, that you guys are just growing in him. That is all I desire for all of you is to just grow in him by learning his word one verse at a time, one book at a time. And so also with that said, you know, today, again, I mentioned things like the hypostatic union, you know, Jesus being fully God and fully man. I mentioned, uh, imputation. I mentioned that a lot and mentioned sanctification and, and, um, some of these, these words, but what do they really mean? What does it mean you know, to be in the sanctification walk. And so I do have a 15 week study guide that uh, really walks you through the different aspects of, you know, basic Christian theology to help you better understand who God is, who Jesus is, who's the Holy Spirit, who are you, and why that all matters. And it will bring you into a deeper understanding, which will deepen your worship and deepen your walk. Um, and it will equip you against a lot of this false teaching that's out there and it's all scripture, which is so beautiful. You just go at your own pace week by week, looking up the different scriptures and learning the different aspects of theology. Theology is not boring. It's literally the study of God. And it's so amazing. It absolutely changed my life when I started really studying doctrine and theology. 
And so I encourage you to get that. You can get that on Amazon. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, And so now I'm just going to pray with you. And Lord, I just lift my sisters up to you, Father, and ask that you would bless each and every one of them. Lord, this is a holiday season. Many of us are really busy. A lot of things get put in our laps, especially as women. And and so often we can get our eyes focused too much on the earthly aspects of what it means to be the holiday season versus you and what the holiday season is all about, which is about you. And so, Father, help us to just stay focused on kingdom work, kingdom business, being about our Father's business, Lord, and really just sharing the love and the light of who Jesus is to a lost and dying world. Father, I pray just for those that maybe holiday season means feelings of loneliness, feelings of kind of depression and grief and loss and it's just they're 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 um grieving what used to be or or family members that used to be there you know maybe money that is just not there this year as many are feeling the crunch of uh the economy right now lord i just pray for them i pray for comfort i pray lord for you to just surround them with your love and your comfort and your peace and your joy and with people that will love them. I pray that they have a, a, a community of believers in their life where they are doing life with those people. And Lord, if they don't, that you would connect them with that, that community in their area. And Lord, I pray blessings over them, blessings over their homes, their finances, their, their spouses, their relationships, their, their family members, their lost loved ones. God, I'm praying, Lord, that whatever prayers they're asking for, that you will answer with yes and amen. Give us the desires of your heart, Lord, so that we will pray into the desires that you already have for us. Help us, Lord, to do your will and to walk as you have asked us to walk, Lord. Help us to love one another and be there for each other. And we thank you, Lord, for everything that you've given us and all that you do and the breath in our lungs, Lord. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, sisters. Have a wonderful week. Family, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would. Head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace, I leave with you until next time.